Hello, everybody. This week's parish is Parshas Kisisa. And the parish begins with the mitzvah of giving the machsas a shekel. And the Pasuk says the following. Akash Baruch tells Moshe, Ze yitnu kol This shall give all those who pass through the census. And Rashi's bothered. What's this language of this? When you say this, it sounds like you're pointing at something. What's, what's Hashem pointing at? Rashi brings a medrash to your Shalmi and Shkalim as well, that Hashem showed Moshe a half shekel coin made out of fire. And he said, like this, just like this, that's what they should give. Teisvis in Menchulin and Menachas is bothered. Teisvis says, there's nothing so difficult, really, with a half coin. We know Hashem showed Moshe a menorah out of fire. We know Hashem showed Moshe the moon. At what point it should be considered a new moon to begin the month. Those are things that you have to give someone a visual aid. But the coin, the half shekel, it's just say an amount, say a weight, say a dimension. And more than that, why do you have to show them a fiery one? Show them one out of silver. That's what you want them to give. What's Hashem showing Moshe? Teisvus says very interesting words. Says Teisvus, Moshe Rabbeinu didn't have a difficulty understanding the size or the parameters of the mitzvah. Moshe Rabbeinu had a difficulty understanding the concept. Says Teisvus, Membezim and Aleph in Chulin, Shetama al Hadavar. Moshe Rabbeinu was bewildered. Ma Yuchal Adam. What can a person leeting kaifer nafshei? What could a person give as a kaifer, as a kapara, as an atonement for his soul? How could a person give some kind of money to atone for his soul? How could money atone for his soul? Akash Baruch showed him the matbeya shalish as an answer to explain to him how that could work. Very cryptic words. Moshe is bothered by something. He's bothered by the mechanics, so to speak, of how the half shekel could bring atonement. And Hashem shows him a coin made of fire. What does Teisvus mean? So I found two beautiful explanations. We'll start with the first one from the Aznayim Latayr of Zaman Sarathkin, the Slutsky Rav. And he said like this. So Teisvus is saying that Moshe Rabbeinu had a very, very fundamental question. A guy does a sin. A guy doesn't fulfill his obligations as a good from Jew. And he wants to get kapara. He wants to get atonement. So he gives him money. How does that work? What's money? How could a person achieve anything with money? Money is something which is almost bad. Money is greed. Money is lust. How could money be something to bring about Kapar? In fact, last Shabbos, I was learning with some of the boys in the show, teenage boys, and they asked me, how do we daven for Aisha? How do we daven for wealth? You see, money is such a destructive thing. It ruins people. It makes people go crazy and do stupid things, become narcissistic. Why do we daven for money? And it's a very good question. Says Hashem to Moshe, a coin is like fire. Is fire a good thing or is fire a bad thing? Well, it depends. If you live, if you live in Southern California, fire might not be such a great thing. It can cause destruction. It can cause harm. If you live in northern Greenland, where it gets pretty cold, fire could be quite useful. Fire is a tool. Fire is an extremely, extremely powerful thing. It can burn and it can do good. It can burn and it can do bad. 
Akash Baruch showed Moshe that a coin, that this silver, is the same thing. It's a powerful, powerful tool. It can do a lot of good, and it can do a lot of bad. And if a person channels it for good, if a person takes that matbeya shal ish, that silver coin of fire, and he uses it for good things, that could bring about atonement. You can do a lot of amazing things with money being put in the right place. But if God forbid he uses it for the wrong things, then you're right. It is fire and it can destroy as well. We're teaching us, Tyre is teaching us something very important. We have a gift. We have Parnassa, we have money, and it's a very powerful thing. But we have a choice what we do with it. We all have our Mint app or our Quicken. We all have accounts of what we do with our money, what we spend it on, where is it going, where is it invested, how much is it making more money for us. The question is, how about long-term investments, real, real long-term investments? What money is really meant for? Do we have tabs on that? Do we have tabs on our tzedakah? Do we have tabs on how much money we're spending towards our learning, towards our growth, towards our community, towards chesed? Do we have... Are we on top of that? Are we aware of how we're using our tool properly? I'll say a story, two stories. Number one is a well-known story with Mr. Reichman or Moshe Reichman's father. And he was he died, passed away, and he left two wills. One will was to open be opened right away at his death. The second one was to be opened only a few days into the Shiva. And in his first will, he wrote a bunch of things to his children, where he wants his money put. And he added at the end of the will a very strange request. He wanted to be buried in his socks. He had a pair of socks, which he liked a lot. He wanted to be buried in those socks. Fine. So strange, but look, people have a right to ask for stuff. The children mentioned it to their rub, and the rub said, you can't, you can't bury a person in his socks. You can't do that. A person should just be buried in his tachrichen, in his burial shards. And back and forth, he wanted it. He asked for it specifically in his will. Back and forth, halacha was, they weren't able to do it. And they had to bury him without his socks. Fine. Okay, they feel bad. They do what they have to do. They bury him. A couple days into the shiva, they open the second will. And he writes to his children as follows. He says, you see, when a person goes to the next world, he can't take anything with him. Not even a pair of socks. Story number one. Story number two. I remember reading it as a child. I don't remember where. I don't remember the details. But I remember the basic story. Story goes, there's a woman, an older woman, very simple woman. Also, she was dying on her deathbed. And she called her children and she said, go to my room. And in the closet, you'll find a couple boxes. In those boxes are all the receipts that I gave to charity over the years. You know we didn't have a lot of money. I was very simple people, but I spent whatever I could. Every once in a while, whenever I had a little extra money, I went and I gave it to charity, and I saved all those receipts. I want you to do me a favor. When I die, bury those receipts with me. I want to take them to heaven with me. Bury the receipts of the money that I gave to charity together with me on my way to heaven. Why? Because that's something you could take to heaven. 
That's something that makes a difference. We have money. We have assets. We have abilities. These are powerful, powerful tools. We have to use them for the right things. We have to make long-term investments. We have to make things that will really make a difference for us. We have to use that. We have to harness that. And that will make a difference going forward. There's another explanation as to what Moshe Rabbeinu was being shown by being by seeing the machza shekel at a fire. Says the Chidush Yarim, the famous Gararebbe, says like this: Kosh Baruch was telling Moshe, "You're right. It seems strange that a person can just use some money to get himself kapara, to get himself atonement." But that's only half the story. That's only machzis shashekel. It's only half the coin. There's a whole another half to the story. It's the fire that the person does the mitzvah with. If a person gives that matbeya, if a person gives that machzis shashekel, gives that coin staka, but he does it with a fire, that could bring about atonement. That's the other half. There's a famous Rambam in Hilchas Matnas Aniyim in Staka. The Rambam says like this. Anybody who gives stuck to a poor person, with a negative face, the scowl, even if he gives him a thousand gold coins, he loses his merits, and that's it. It's all wasted. Give him with a smile, and happily. And feel his pain. Listen to him, Kvetch. Get involved in his problems. That's how you get stuck, says Rambam. There's the money that you give. There's the act that you do. And then there's how you do it. Is there ash involved? Is there fire? Is there passion? Is there enjoyment? Are you into it? That, that is what gives the kapara. That's what brings it to the next level. That's what takes a person out of where he was and brings it to the next level. That's what Hashem showed Moshe when he gave him the shekel at a fire. And you see the same message at the end of the parsha. Moshe Rabbeinu is up in Shemayim, he's up in heaven learning with Hashem. For 40 days and 40 nights, and then Hashem tells him some bad news. Moshe, please go down. Go down. The nation that you brought up from Mitzrayim has sinned. They made an eagle. They've gone off of Derech. Moshe Rabbeinu is obviously very sad. He goes down with the Luchis. And then says the Pasuk, Vayar Moshe, Moshe goes and Moshe sees that the Jewish people did sin. And he throws down the Luchis and he breaks them. And everyone's bothered by the obvious question. He already knew that they did. Hashem had told him that they had sinned. What happens when he gets down from the mountain and he sees them that makes him then go and break the Luchis? So Rashi says something puzzling. Rashi says, You cannot compare seeing to hearing. Meaning, even though Moshe Rabbeinu heard it, when you see something, it affects you completely differently. However, the Sephorno says something different. He says, Moshe Rabbeinu heard that Klai Yisrael sinned. He had hope. He hoped that they would be able to do tshuva, that they would be able to come back, and things would go back to normal. Chaisa made a mistake, they'll pick themselves up and they get back to normal. But when Moshe Rabbeinu came down, it says he didn't just see the ego. He saw something more. The Pasuk says, Vayar es ha-egel, he saw the ego, um and 
and the circles of the dancing, he saw the excitement. He saw the pump. He saw that how excited they were for the ego, how, how into it they were. That's a measure broke the loop because that's a measure realized that we need to get a whole new program going here. We can't just get back to normal. It's going to require a lot, a lot of work to fix this. A person can do an Avera and a person can be excited about the Avera. That's two different things completely. If there is an Avera, Avera a person can get back from. When a person does the Avera with the whole party around it and he's into it and he's excited and he's posting pictures of himself doing the Avera, that requires a lot of work. I want to ask you a question. When was, remember the last time when you were in Best Buy and you saw a guy online and he's talking to the rep and trying to figure out which TV to buy, the 54-inch, the 72-inch, the 185-inch, and the guy tells him, do you want one with HD? Do you want it with surround sound speaker systems that make the whole house shake? And he starts giving him all the options and the details. And the guy says, you know what, just, 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 if it, just, just give me whatever's kosher. Give me the most simple, basic, I don't want anything fancy. Never happens. You know why? Because he comes to Best Buy, he's excited to buy that TV. But when a guy comes to buy a little of an asterisk, that's what he says. He says, just give me the kosher one, whatever, because he doesn't really care. He's not into it. He's not fired up about it. That's the big issue. The big issue is not just what we do and don't do, it's how we do it. Do we, are we into it? Do we have the H behind it? Are we fired up about it? That, says Tysus, is what's going to be what makes the kapara, what brings us out. If we do the mitzvahs that we're doing anyways, we do them with feeling, we do them with passion, with the recognition that this is what's going to change us, then it can truly bring out that kapara. In the second part of the parasha, Tara, Tara tells us about the mitzvah of bringing the kataris, bringing the special incense, and the Tara lists a bunch of spices, all very good smelling spices. Tara lists one spice called chelbana. Chalbana is well known to be a non, a very non-pleasant smelling spice. And the Gemara and Tainus derives from here a concept that every time the Jewish people gather in prayer, that they have a Yayim Tefillah, they have to make sure that it's not just the Tzadikim that are there, but you have to include even the Rishayim, people who aren't necessarily good people, they do a lot of Averis, but you have to include them. And they says, just like by the Keteris, we find that even those that smelled good had to bring along the Chalbana that didn't smell so great. So did Tzadikim have to daven together with the Rishayim and include the Rishayim in their tefillah. The Alter from Kelim, of Simcha Zizel Ziv, one of the founders of the Musr movement, he says, every person has to sit down and have that moment with himself and say, look, you know, am I the good smelling spices? Am I the Tzari? Or am I the chelbana? Am I the guy who, maybe I have a lot to gain from other people. Maybe I, my smell is not that great. And chances are, a person is a little bit of both. He has that positive side to him. He has those things he really shines at. And he has those things which he can use a lot of work in. And a person has to live his life working on both ends. On one hand, he has to assume that he's the chelbana. He has lacks, he has things, he has to hang out with people that smell good, so to speak. With tzaddikim, tamidichacham, with people who will rub off on him well, who will fill in his lacks, who will make him better, and mask, so to speak, his bad smell. On the other hand, a person has to focus on the fact that sometimes he 
has what to give other chalbanas. He could be a tsari. He could be a good smelling spice. And he has to look for other people who might be lacking in certain things and bring them in and include them and help them and help them grow and teach them. And that's how life has to be lived. A little mind to learn, ulalamed and to teach. A person can't just be on one end of the spectrum. A person has to be living with that. Giving, getting, giving, getting. And that's how a person grows. As you may, some may know, my sister's got engaged, Baruch Hashem, and, you know, start thinking about the wedding, start planning, and for a lot of us, you know, these kind of times are times when we start thinking about getting a little bit back into shape, slimming down a little bit, trying to get into fit into that suit that you have sitting in your closet back from your wedding day, and I had a moment where I got inspired, so I ordered a scale. Now, this isn't a regular scale. This, doesn't, this scale doesn't just tell you your weight. This scale tells you your body fat content, your muscle content, water content, you name it. It's got everything there. And, you know, till it came, I had a certain perception of myself. I thought, I'm probably a little this, a little that, probably not so bad. And then you got the scale, you go on, and the numbers hit. And reality takes a toll. And you start to realize where things really are at. So I started to think, is there a way to do that with our neshama as well? You know, maybe if I went on a neshama scale, it also might be a little surprised to find out the fat content going on. Is there such a thing? And Sar of Dessler, he learns a Pasuk in this week's parsha. He says like follows. Pasuk says, Akash Baruch Hu, he's telling Kali Yisrael about Shabbos. And the Pasuk says, On the seventh day, Shavas, he rested, Vayinafash. And everyone wants to know, what does the word Vayinafash mean? So Rashi says the language of, of breathing, it's language of kind of, you know, taking in a breath of resting. The Sephorno says something else. The Sephorno says that this is the hint to the well-known concept of a Nishama Yisera, the extra soul, so to speak, that a person gets on Shabbos. The nafash means the nefesh, the extra nefesh a person has. Now, what does it mean we have an Nishama Yisera? It means you have two souls on Shabbos? Derech Hashem, Desser, they all explain that no. It doesn't mean you have an extra soul. It means that there's a certain higher connection. A person is connected to a higher part of his soul. A person is more connected to the world to come, to the spiritual world around him, on Shabbos. That's what Vayin Nafash means. Akash Baruch imbued Shabbos with an extra nefesh, with more connection to the nefesh than the neshama. And Abdassar says an interesting thing. He says that if a person doesn't feel any difference on Shabbos, he doesn't feel any more holy, it means that there's a kind of blockage. He's disconnected from his nefesh. Things aren't healthy. There's, not a, there's no great blood flow, so to speak, going on between his guf and his nefesh. Shabbos naturally should be a time when a person should feel different. A person should feel a little holier. Now, for a lot of us, I know for myself, I can't say every Shabbos I feel that way. And it's something that we have to try to work on. It's a sign that things aren't as great as they could be. Now, how does a person work on that? How does a person work on his spiritual health? How do you make it that you will feel some Kedusha, you'll connect properly 
to your nefesh and to your neshama. So we have to look in this very park. Hashem says, I'm giving the Jewish people the mitzvah of Shabbos. Why? Hashem made the world in six days, and on the seventh day he rested. What does that mean? What does the fact that Hashem made the world in six days and seventh day rested have to do with us resting on Shabbos? Says the Alder from Kelm. We see something very simple here. Hashem says, you know how you're going to be able to relate to the fact that I rested on Shabbos? If you relive that every week. We have this naive, idealistic hope that if we hear something, if we know about it, it'll make a difference. Hashem knows better. Hashem says, I know you people. If I just tell you that I built the world in six days and I rested on the seventh, it won't make a difference. You have to go through a training exercise every single week and relive Shabbos. You have to stop. You have to take a break. You have to unplug from the physical world. That's how you're going to be able to connect to the concept that Hashem rested on the seventh day and that the rest of the world is created by Hashem. If we don't take the time, if we don't take the moment to stop, to think, to calculate, to make a cheshvan nefesh and to realize what's our life going, where are we headed, have we grown, are we falling, where are things at, nothing's going to happen. We're not going to feel anything on Shabbos. It's only if we take the time, at least on Shabbos, to make a cheshman on nefesh, to recognize what's going on, then maybe we can connect. The Ibn Ezra says that some people have a question. They say, what did Moshe Rabbeinu do for 40 days on the mountain? What took 40 days? He says, people ask that question, they don't know anything. They're reiki mayach, they're empty of a brain. Why? He says, because person, people think that everything's about just doing an action and being done. Doesn't work like that. It says Moshe Rabbeinu spent forty days on the mountain, being misbeining, concentrating, contemplating, trying to understand his own kaiches and nefesh, realizing what makes him do what he does, what makes him do averes, what makes him do mitzvahs, figuring out how to control himself, and then through fully understanding his own midas and his own yitzer, he was able to start understanding Hashem and the world around him and the elamis it took a lot of time, and it takes everybody time. And it's only going to happen if you take that time to contemplate, to think, to make decisions of things that you can try to improve step by step. If we don't give ourselves that time, if we don't take that time, nothing's going to happen on its own. Rabbi say, let's take the messages of this parsha. Number one is we have a lot of assets. We have a lot of things that we can do, but it's up to us. We can use them to do good. Or we can use them to do bad. Number two is when we do good, we have to do it with a fire. Because that's what makes a difference. That's what makes you grow. If you do it with passion, it makes a change in you. You have to constantly look around to try to, on one hand, hang out with people who will help us grow. And then to take that growth and pass it on to others who need it as well. And we have to spend Shabbos taking the time to see if we're connecting, to see if we feel any different, to work on ourselves, to think about where we're headed in life. And Rosh Hashem, if we do all that, we can hopefully grow. And by next Shabbos, we can feel even more. Shabbat wonderful Shabbos.